Hello everyone, this is Karin Takar and welcome to the Zenergy Podcast. Over the past decade, India has done an impressive job of integrating renewable energy into its energy mix. For this Fulbright podcast series, I sought to investigate the enabling factors and potential of India's global leadership in renewable energy with the focus on solar. This Fulbright series is broken down into four seasons. In this season, through conversations with leaders who have been instrumental in developing the Indian renewable energy sector, we will highlight how India has managed to integrate 35 gigawatts of solar in just a span of 10 years. We will also explore what these leaders believe the key challenges to be as this sector further develops. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Amit Chain, a senior energy specialist at the World Bank India team and former Fulbright scholar with the NREL. Amit worked on the very first solar project in Gujarat and is leading a $2 billion renewable portfolio in India, Bangladesh, and the Maldives. In this conversation, we will explore the World Bank's role in the Indian renewable energy space and how the organization not only commits capital, but also facilitates capital. I've also included a clip from Shrey Baringanjan, also a member of the World Bank Energy Team. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. Jane and Mr. Shrey. Hi, Mr. Jane. Thank you so much for taking the time. Can you please start off by providing a background of the state of solar in India and also talk about what the World Bank's role is in this space? As you know, India has set very ambitious renewable energy targets of 175 gigawatts by 2022. And also India has been providing some stable and mature policies for several years on renewable energy. And the result right now is we have almost 72 to 73 gigawatts of large-scale solar and wind, which shows India's commitment towards its NDCs made in Paris Agreement, and they have shown real action on the ground. So there has been several policy initiatives by government of India, which has led to this success. One of them is a reverse auction, which India is conducting successfully for several years, and now is being replicated in several other countries. So this was something India started way back in 2011-2012. The story of India's solar starts in 2009 when Gujarat launched its solar policy, state solar policy, with development of Charanka Solar Park. So Gujarat came out with the state solar policy even before India came out with its national solar mission. But after that, in 2010, India announced a modest target of 10 gigawatt with national solar mission, which was later upgraded to 100 gigawatt by 2022, because this we saw real potential in India on renewable energy and solar in particular. Given this background, the government of India has asked World Bank to partner with various agencies, including State Bank of India, as we mentioned, and also with IRIDA, which is a central FI in India on renewables. And of course, we work very closely with Ministry of New and Renewable Energy 
on renewable energy. We started our partnership with State Bank of India in 2016 because while the utility scale solar was a huge success, solar rooftop solar was still struggling in 2016. Even till today, out of 35 gigawatt contribution of solar rooftop is only five gigawatt against the target of 40 gigawatt. So, so we were asked to partner with uh, SBI in this regard to kickstart debt products with concessional financing and also provide a technical assistance program to help and build an ecosystem around solar rooftop system. About the same time, we also partnered with Ereda for a solar park project where we will finance a solar park infrastructure in these projects. And as you have might have noticed a couple of weeks back, Reva Solar Park was inaugurated by the Prime Minister, where World Bank Group was involved, not only as a transition advisor and as a lender for share infrastructure, but also IFC was the debt provider to the companies who installed the solar parks on the project. We are also working very closely with Profoco and other institutes looking at large-scale grid integration. We're also working in the area of storage, floating solar. So the, the point is, in renewable energy sector, we are working very closely with government of India on several of these initiatives to make this target achieved by 2022. Uh, let me stop here. I see. Thank you. Thank you. That provided great clarities. As I was reading on the World Bank's role, specifically on development finance, I came across a nice article which said that a key objective of the World Bank is to not only become a provider of capital, but also a facilitator of capital, meaning incentivizing more capital in addition to what the World Bank provides. And I'm curious as to like how this happens in terms of the structures, specifically with the SBI, I think it was 650 million or 625 million commitment, of which I read that 38% has been dispersed to date, but could be wrong about those figures. I'm just curious as to how the World Bank, how this 625 million is structured in a way that also helps facilitate more investment. I really appreciate just hearing more on how this happens. Let me give two examples, starting with the Reva Solar Park, and then I will come to Solar Rooftop. As you know, the World Bank financing is very scarce because it is concessional. So we, we believe in the MFD approach, which is mobilizing private sector finance. So if we finance $1, we want to leverage 2 3 or even $10 uh, by bringing in more private sector capital on top of our capital. Let's take an example of Reva Solar Park in Madhya Pradesh. The World Bank financing for share infrastructure in Reva Solar Park is only $18.18 million. But with this financing, we were able to mobilize $500 million of private sector capital, which installed 750 megawatts. So this is how in a state bid like Madhya Pradesh, where international investors were initially reluctant to come and bid, with the support of the World Bank Group, Madhya Pradesh government was able to mobilize significant private sector capital with the record 
PPA uh, of 2.93 at that time. Secondly, with State Bank of India, in 2016, when we entered the market with SBI, the interest rates for solar rooftop were very high, about 16 to 17%, which were making the solar rooftop market unviable. We not only entered the market with SBI, it provided concessional financing with the number of $625 million, as we mentioned, but it opened the market for other commercial banks. After they saw that SBI was the first risk taker in the market and the products are going very well, we had several other commercial banks and multilateral development funds who joined this revolution and put in more than a billion dollars in solar rooftop. So $625 million from the World Bank, we were able to mobilize $1.5 billion of multilateral financing, which eventually led to 5 gigawatts of solar rooftop till now, by 2020, which mobilized almost $5 billion of private sector capital. So these are two stories where you can see that the World Bank financing is able to leverage private sector financing at a significant level. So... Concessional financing, as in the World Bank, will provide capital at very cheap rates. Is that what concessional financing means? And then how, does, how exactly does this lead to, in the shared infrastructure solar park project, for example, how exactly did that 18 million World Bank commitment then lead to so much more significant private sector capital? So when I say concessional financing, we have access to clean technology funds, which are part of climate finance, which provide financing at 0.25% for 40 years with a 10-year moratorium. So we blend that financing with the World Bank financing, and then it becomes concessional. And then we provide it to both Ereda and State Bank of India. In case of the Reva Solar Park, we are only financing the shared infrastructure, which is the transmission assets, road, security inside solar park. We don't, World Bank does not provide finance to the solar projects inside the solar park. But with this financing of $18 million, the private sector got convinced that there Mm -hmm. is ample policies and regulatory measures taken in this solar park and they felt confident that they should come and invest in a structure which is supported by the World Bank Group. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. In the article that you wrote with the Economic Times, titled The Big Leap into a Sustainable Future, you stated that the project has developed innovative energy contracts as opposed to most projects in the conventional and renewable sector that still use proportionate power contracts. So I'm newly into this space and I'm just learning about all of these different terms So it'd be really helpful if you could just give more clarity on what are proportionate power contracts and also what were these new innovative energy contracts that were introduced through this project? Usually when a renewable energy contract is signed, it is signed with a distribution utility, as you know. So if I provide X electrons to a utility, they will pay me a tariff of Y rupees. In case of the Reva Solar Park, we opted for an open access policy in which the primary contract of Reva Solar Park was signed with Delhi Metro in Delhi. And 
the other contract was signed with maharashtra uh, so madhya pradesh discom which is usually the scenario the point is under the open access regime reva solar park is able to meet 60% of the demand of delhi metro in delhi so in under this proportionate contract we were able to meet the daylight demand of delhi metro which is usually not in a case in a typical renewable energy contract it helped us in two manners first of all delhi metro is a very bankable entity it provided comfort to the investors that you're going to sign the ppa with a very strong entity like dmrc second dmrc being in delhi was paying very high tariff for its daily needs they were able to save tens of crores of money because of signing a lower ppa under the reva solar park so the comparison is between a usual ppa when you sign the discom versus the ppa in reva solar park where you signed under the open access with delhi metro okay wow that's very interesting and on the same note i read that the project has implemented a three tier payments security mechanism and i know this issue of payment security has come up in my interviews like recently i was able to interview himant sahai who was in the Andhra Pradesh case representing a few of the developers regarding the contract sanctity and i wanted to ask you about this whether payment security is a significant challenge in india today with regards to solar and if so do you believe this issue will soon be resolved so current the biggest risk the country india is facing in terms of renewable energy is the off taker risk you must have heard it from other players as well indian discoms are in red their financial health is not very good there has been cases of curtailment renegotiation of ppas and a delayed payments of the tune of 10000 crore under renewable energy contract so off taker risk remains the largest risk we have in the country secondly there are two kind of bids in india one is the bid bid which is backed by national level entities like secchi or ntpc these bids are very strong because they have the balance sheet of ntpc and secchi so investors both domestic and international investors feel very confident for these bids the second type of bids are state bids like the madhya pradesh reva solar park bid where the ppa is signed by directly by a state discom where the financial health is not very good international investors specifically are not very confident regarding these bids because off taker risk of state discom is very high for these investors so what we did in reva solar park we developed a three tier framework which is we opened a letter of credit in a bank in case there's a delay by a discom the letter of credit can be encashed by the developer if this fails the second tier was a escrow account between madhya pradesh and ereda for 6 months of delayed payments so the developer can encash this escrow account for 6 months if the discom does not pay even if this fails the third tier of framework was the state government guarantee of madhya pradesh 
the Madhya Pradesh government said, if everything fails, we are putting our balance sheet behind this project. We will pay it from our budget. This is the first time in the history of India when a state government has put up its balance sheet against a solar or a renewable energy projects. Because of the three-tier framework, Reva became a historic project which gave up the PPA prices as competitive as the central government agencies like NTPC and SECI and became a reference where it not only got the World Bank present award, but also it became a chapter in the Prime Minister's innovation book in 2017. Mm -hmm. And it was being quoted as a reference project for all the other state companies. So is that model trying to be replicated in other areas now? Yes, we are in discussion with now with Irida to replicate some of its models for solar rooftop as well. In terms of moving forward, and also, I know you worked on the very first project with, in Gujarat, I saw that. Reflecting during that time, did you know India would become as successful as it has become today in solar? And like moving forward, do you think India will continue to be a global leader in this space? Are you optimistic about solar in India? So if I do a flashback, Karan, I literally can imagine 10 years back, I gave this example before. I was, I can, I can visualize myself. I was in uh, Adla Solar Park in Rajasthan exactly 10 years back. At that time, it was a complete desert. And I was sitting on, on sand dunes with my colleagues from Clinton Foundation. At that time, in 2009 and 10, Clinton Foundation announced a partnership with government of Gujarat and government of Rajasthan to develop and design a three gigawatt of solar park 10 years back. And everybody thought we are crazy because at that time, solar just started in Spain and Germany and in California. And India was very new to solar at that time. And there we were talking about three gigawatt solar park and people just thought we are insane. But Gujarat came out with the first solar park of 250 megawatt in Charanka. And now Bhadla Solar Park in Rajasthan have more than two to three gigawatt installed already. And there are multiple phases of Bhadla Solar Park being designed as we speak. So the point is the vision shown by several leaders at that time is bearing truth right now. So India is very well set to become the leader in renewable energy in future. As you know, after US and China, we are the largest consumer of energy and electricity in the whole world. And this is when current we are only consuming 1200 kilowatts per year against China, which is 3,500 kilowatt, and US, which is about five to 6,000 kilowatts per year. We are expected to double our per capita consumption by 2030. So just imagine with such a low per capita consumption, if India is delivering such results, when our consumption will double in the next 10 years, we will be definitely leaders in a renewable energy sector. And we will be cutting across various technologies, be it storage, floating solar, solar rooftop, offshore wind. So there are, there are many ways we have to go in other innovation and other technologies as well.
also had the opportunity to hear some quick insights from Mr. Shrey Bayern-Ganjan, who is a energy and climate expert at the World Bank. So let's hear what Shrey had to say. So just quickly to whatever Amit has said and over here, he's comprehensively covered the India sort of solar space. Karan, if you look at the last 10 years, when we were discussing briefly, India has mobilized FDI investments of the tune of 10 billion already, of 10 billion plus actually already. And that is only set to grow. One of the other things that Amit works very closely on at Elites is the World Bank partnership with ISA, International Solar Alliance, which will kind of replicate some of the best practices from India across the region, right? So we are trying to see best practices across India, which can be replicated in Africa. We also, so he leads the project that we have in Maldives as well. So we are trying to replicate those examples or the successes in over there in other sort of small island developing states as well as we move forward. So there is a lot of buzz around uh, cross collaboration as well right now as we speak. Thank you. Thank you both so much for your time. Thank you, Karan. Wish you all the best. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And do check out the show notes for more information on my guest. See you next time.